to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys. And wow, this is podcast number 150. So go ahead and pop that alcohol-free champagne. Yeah, this is a big one. Completing our third year of this spiritual journey. And we're glad that you've turned in. You might have found us on iHeartRadio, uh, you might have found us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Facebook at Man Dash Up. We have a website at Man Dash Up Spiritual Oasis.com. And we have all of our podcasts. They are archived on SoundCloud. <clears throat> what we do here is we basically take a ABF uh, Adult Bible Fellowship uh, Sunday School lesson and uh, discuss it among the panel and uh, kind of update it and put a man's spin on it. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you just, just can't talk about anywhere, particularly now. And so we are glad you're here. Now, where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas, or thereabouts. So grab a globe, spin it around. Bang! Find Texas. Go to the southeast corner of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, And we are still in the COVID-19 quarantine. So each of us are in our own little quarantine area doing this podcast by teleconference. So I want to introduce the panel that we have here. Uh, Mr. Steve Titch, he's a world-class policy writer and a bit of a professional gambler. We also have a world-class trainer for our Fortune 100 company. Uh, we call him the professor. Robert Koshu is here. And we have the judge, Michael Cropper. He's a prosecutor, attorney, so he could defend you or throw, throw the book at you. My name is Bill Cox. I'm basically a sales guy and uh, been a writer and actor and kind of work as a contractor and I'm the host of this and the director of Man Up. What we're doing is we're going through various different uh, <clears throat> periodicals that we use and we're currently in the Connect 360. It's by the Baptist Way Press, which is awesome. We're talking about the transforming power of Jesus and the title is actually Miracles. And this is our actually our eighth lesson, and this is the miraculous feeding, and uh, this is about the uh, feeding of the five thousand, which they say was even more than that. That was just they just counted the men, so they figured that it was closer to uh, ten thousand. Oh, and also logged on, awesome. He's uh, pretty much the class deacon and insurance guy, really nice guy. Uh, from uh, Louisiana, so if he was there recently, he has to self-quarantine. Uh, Kyle Trahan has joined us as well. So, And what we're going to do is just uh, go around and uh, talk to the uh, fellows and get a brief overview of this lesson. And 
Start with Mr. Steve Titch. The, the idea of feeding um, really carries through the Bible. Uh, bread is important. Uh, we really don't know if manna in the wilderness was bread or not, but it was another example of God's provision. Uh, God provided manna to, uh, provided bread to Elijah. So it's, it's not unusual to see uh, bread show up in this, in this feeding of the multitude of, as you said, 5,000 men and perhaps as many women and, and children added, maybe up to 10,000 people. Uh, and it's another, it's another demonstration that not only does the Lord provide, the Lord provides in abundance. And we can look, we can look at this uh, lesson both from the literal point of view, because it was an actual feeding, an actual food was served and passed around, uh, much more than they started with, and they got like 10 times more than they started with as leftovers. Um, but also, of course, the, uh, the metaphorical side, the, the, uh, the symbolic side, again, that, that the Lord provides, uh, and the Lord provides abundantly. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper, basic yeah. overview and maybe a history, since you're our, kind of our history guy. I'm not really doing the history tonight. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, thank you. I will tell you that the, the lesson before this one, since you did ask uh, so nicely, was that Jesus healed the man with the shriveled hand on the Sabbath in the temple, and if uh, those of you who tuned in last week are in the synagogue, let me say this, we had a great lesson. We had a good time with it because we, uh, we again, had talked about the type of miracles that Jesus did on the Sabbath and uh, that the Pharisees did not like that, and the rabbis did not like that, and they were after him all the time because he did some things on the Sabbath, and, and they considered their little rules as important as the rules set out by Moses. And their rules were really interpretations of the Sabbath. And one of the things Jesus did say was, it's very important. He says, is it good to do thing, good things on the Sabbath or do absolutely nothing and watch somebody who is ill or who has a donkey or a horse that's stuck in a hole? Are you going to leave in there overnight? He says, uh, nope. He says, it's better to do good on the Sabbath. So that little bit of history brings us to today's lesson. He actually leaves that location in that synagogue, and he goes away to a secured, a secured place, secured place, and um, draws a large crowd. Today's lesson is about bread, uh, and I'll add to Steve's comment about the bread in the Old Testament. Uh, God feeds all the Israelites with manna, but they call that, refer to that later as the bread from heaven. And in fact, Jesus refers to himself in several places as the bread from heaven who truly brings life to the, uh, to the Israelites and to the Jewish people if they will accept him as the Messiah or the Son of God. Okay, Bill? Excellent. Professor Koshu. Yeah, um, this is interesting because this is the only miracle that appears in all four of the Gospels. So it's in the passage... Bill's going to read later in Matthew chapter 14. It's also in Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 9, and John chapter 6. And so 
I think there's a lot more to it than, than just Jesus fed a bunch of people. There's, as Steve said, there's an abundance. There's the allegories that Mike referred to of the bread and the bread of heaven. And then there's Jesus that just met physical needs when he needed to and knew that meeting the physical needs was just as important as the spiritual needs. And I think that's a really good discussion point for this particular lesson. That is a good point, Professor. Uh, Kyle Trahan, welcome, bud. Hey, I hope everybody can hear me. Um, I'm trying out the microphone that uh, we usually use in the studio. And uh, most of the time, I kind of look like Steve there. Got a couple of earbuds uh, hanging out there. So I, I hope I sound decent uh, for tonight. Um, hey, good to hear, Steve. Sounds awesome. I played with the audio before to try and make you proud. I read up on the little manual to make sure I had it set correct. So, um, you know, Jesus gets there, <clears throat> excuse me, and, um, you know, before any of the rest of the story starts, he heals a bunch of people. Um, you know, again, in our, our current uh, COVID time, uh, I, I wish that could just, you know, poof and it's done. Uh, that'd be really great. But uh, no matter where he went, no matter what he did, there was always that element of somebody needing to be healed. You know, last week, uh, as Mike said, you know, we had the guy, uh, was that last week? Um, Whether that, what yeah, that? outstretch your hand, exactly. Um, you know, and it emphasizes one particular healing in that one passage from last week here it just says that he heals the sick well would you say steve possibly up to ten thousand? you know five thousand men yeah 5, well, that, men. that's that's what that's what some of the commentary says uh, you exactly know, he only count the men but uh there's every reason to believe there were, were as many uh women there as as men or as many family members uh Either even that five thousand is an impressive number. Um, that's you know five thousand people. That's a that's a concert hall worth um, uh, a big concert hall. Uh, what, what is our sanctuary set? What what is our our sanctuary sanctuary is what fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred somewhere in no, there. No, actually, it, it, it's uh, just under two thousand, I believe, is what the capacity okay. is. Yeah, yeah, just over eighteen, just under yeah, two grand. 2000, I mean, yeah, somewhere so, in there. So, so that's twice our sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're talking to so, you know, of, a, of a Christmas or Easter service. <laughs> well, and if you're up. talking only 2000, then, you know, and it could be possibly 10,000 people. Yes. We so five two, times. Five so, times the amount on our best service. So, so 10,000, how you, you go to those regular U of H, U of H basketball games, is that? That that's that, the arena or they uh, have that speaks like eight thousand now. Oh, okay. it's a fairly small arena. Mm -hmm. Yeah, our our basketball arena is fairly small, so it, it's it's more, it would be more along the lines of our normal football game. Well, mm -hmm. what used to be our normal football game back in the day when I started going, we'd have now, about ten thousand. Now that's a, that's a good that's an interesting good thought because now, now it isn't uh, you know on the par of an NFL or, or a Major League Baseball game, but if you've been to even a college basketball game, what mm -hmm. are the concessions like? 
you know, lining up for lining up for your hot dog and beer or your nachos. Um, that's there. There's an idea of of the type of you know of the, of the scale of this crowd. So you know that that you know, and, and here they come in. Look, here they come in with a with a basket of five loaves and 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 two fishes. Uh, so so yeah, but to get an idea of the scale, think. Think of a think of ten thousand people in a college basketball arena, uh, and feeding them, and 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 what it's like when you're in there and you're trying to get a you know a hot dog and a beer. Hot <laughs> dog and a beer. <laughs> hey, that's a fifteen minute wait at some basketball games I've been to this year. <laughs> and, and out of that ten thousand people, how many were sick that needed healing that day? You know. It just put those same people in arena and how many actually needed something to be done, you know, was my original point. But we should probably read the, uh, the scripture, shouldn't we? Well, one thing real quick, since we're talking about this and applying to the coronavirus, I'm still going through my head wondering why in the world did all the people with this threat of coronavirus and the restrictions that were placed on, why did they all go get the toilet paper instead of the bread? <laughs> hey, they got bread too. <laughs> they got that too. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, very nice, Judge. <laughs> All right, I'll go ahead and I'll read the scripture, Matthew 14, 14 through 21. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he said. And he had directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. You know, one thing I, I would like to bring up um, is... It, although we were talking about feeding a large crowds like at a basketball game or uh, a football game or, or something like that, in a religious setting, uh, I've uh, served at Loaves and Fishes and at, uh, well, during Hurricane Harvey, uh, I've been out uh, serving meals to people. And it's more orderly and people are more grateful and gracious. And I think your efforts, not only are they appreciated, but they seem to go farther with the crowds. Um, I'm not saying I've ever uh, fed 5,000 or 10,000 or any, I, th I think the most that I've ever served was, you know, maybe three or 400, but it's, it just seems like 
it's different uh, when it's people that are giving thanks. Uh, and I just wanted to throw out there and, and see, what, uh, see what the fellas think about that. How about you, Steve Titch? Oh, hold on me. It's it's hard to know. I it's, I I think I think with Jesus there and the presence he must have had, um, it it there may have been there may have been an atmosphere of okay, what's he going to do next? Uh, the the I'll kick a question back. Um, the disciples say, uh, when, when Jesus asked them, the disciples say, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. I, I wonder if that was essentially the food for the day for Jesus and his disciples. That, that seems like, based on their diet, enough to carry maybe 13 people, uh, at, at least a day's worth, maybe, maybe uh, two meals. Um, so, you know, the, it's interesting, the first thing they say is, oh, they need to go get their own. We've got ours, you know, and, and Jesus asks, where, well, you know, what do we have? And, and, and I, I could see almost them sheepishly saying, but, you know, wait a minute, uh, our, this is ours, isn't it? Um, and then, and, you know, he, Jesus asked him to, asked, asked the disciples, asked, asked the, the disciples to give them, give him the food. So there, I'm, I'm sure if you're, especially if you're in the front few rows, you're one, you know, you're wondering what's going to happen here, and then, then they start giving out the food, and I, and I hear I'll throw out a, I'll throw out a couple of questions just, just to, because that that's what we do. Uh, you might be watching in the front row or the front row, and you know, what about somebody's in the back who sees this happening? You know, do they? Uh, do they worry, you know, maybe there's some goodwill in the front, um, but in the back, what are they thinking? And what are they thinking as actually the disciples move further and further back and the food keeps coming? And what, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of murmurs and buzz throughout the crowd. What's going on here? What's going on? Um, it's somewhat fascinating to think about. I don't think anyone was, was going to leave. Uh, it doesn't sound like there was a, you know, a, a, a scrum for the, for the food either. It sounds like every, it does sound like it was orderly. And not only that, they had time to gather up leftovers. So it, to kind of even get at your question or the answer roundabout way, it sounds like people were satisfied enough that they didn't feel they had to greedily grab everything. Gorge and hoard. Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting point. That's almost like not only witnessing the miracle, but being in the miracle in the moment yourself. Unlike where, like when he saw, like if you were there when you saw the man with the shriveled hand heal, you, you're you're observing, you're watching that. But if you're in this crowd, and like Steve said, say you're in the back or a few rows back, and you're thinking, by the time this gets here, uh, there might be some fish eyes and some crusts left, and that's going to be about it. But when you see there's actually bread and fish, when it comes to you, 
you're seeing and participating in the miracle. And I think that's, that's totally different. What do you say, well, Judge? Okay, yeah. I, I, think, uh, I think Jesus was really disappointed with the guys. Am, am I, yeah. Because you look at him, and he, uh, up to this point, guys, we've written we, our, our lesson. We had about six or seven lessons. He healed the, the woman with the issue of blood. He, he healed the deaf, mute, the people, the blind guys a couple times. He's healed many, many, possibly hundreds of people. When he left Jairus' house uh, after healing his daughter, uh, pardon me, while he was still there after he healed his daughter, they brought many, many people after dark who he healed. And, and up to this point, he's healed possibly hundreds of people, whoever they brought to him, he healed. And so they looked at him and said, send the people away. Uh, it's late. We're in a, a, a desolate location. Let them go get food. And he says, they don't need to leave. Uh, he says, you give them something to eat. He looks at the disciples. And I mean, this just goes way over their head. Like, what? You're telling us to give them something to eat? And and their response is is, is classic and, and is probably disappointed. Jesus says, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, and you can imagine him taking a deep sigh and saying, okay, bring them to me. You still haven't caught it yet. I'm convinced that if they had, if even one of them, like Peter walking on the water, one of them had said, okay, and he started tearing out the bread, it would have kept tearing. It would have continued to tear at this point. In other words, the miracle had already is already in place, but they were not or did not have the face to start it and exercise at that moment. He says, okay. Bring it to me, and I'll show you again. The pass. Well, I, what I find interesting is, and you see this in Luke, and Mark kind of talks about it too, is the first thing he did is he broke him into groups of 50. <laughs> and he had them lay down and lay around in groups of 50 before he started distributing the bread. So, you know, it, it's more than that. You kind of get this this feeling of, Jesus setting it up that, hey, there is a, you know, that you're going to be fed. And I think, like, Steve, I'm kind of interested in the people in the back because I'm thinking the people on the front row, they heard Jesus go, will you give them food? And, hey, here's five loaves and two fish. And the people in the front are going, okay, so they're going to eat. We're not. But the people in the back are probably going, oh, they're going to feed us. And they really don't realize what's going on until – later the miracle starts and they figured out on the back end. The other thing is this is to, to give a common today's term to it. Jesus was trending at this moment. You know, this is, this is Jesus at the height of his popularity. You know, he's healing people. He's up in Galilee running around. This is before that. Um, this is before that whole, uh, year of opposition begins as he goes in. This is kind of at the end of his first year of his ministry, probably. And so he is, you know, he's been running around Galilee and like Mike said, everyone's heard, man, he healed this guy and he did that. And then, you know, and man, those Pharisees tried to trap him and he did that. And then, man, he went down to the temple in Jerusalem and he, he beat up on the money changers and had an argument with the Pharisees. You know, this is the guy, you know, as they're going through, this is Jesus at the height of his popularity. And you know, you get lunch. 
Oh yeah, it's <laughs> dinner and a show, man. <laughs> For sure. I, I hope my fist is not cold. <laughs> you know, um, no, it, it makes you me want think. Quality. You, want, you, want, you want a little tartar sauce for that too. <laughs> um, no, it, it makes me think back to, you know, the Old Testament in the, the, the manna out in the desert, you know, of, you know, it had to be as strange for them that all of a sudden this stuff just appears or, you know, is there for them to clip, but don't take too much because it'll spoil and you will have enough for today's bread, you know, and, and you know, I guess that takes it back to give us, you know, uh, our daily bread. Also, the other part of this, and the author puts this out, that the bread was a staple. I mean, it, it was not, it, it was not simply a gesture. Uh, we learned that if you, if you had a home, you were expected to have enough bread to feed a stranger, to offer hospitality if someone needed shelter and a meal. Uh, if you ran out of bread, it was a bit of a faux pas. Uh, bread was, as I said, it was, it was the, the staple of that part of the world, and, and, and in many cases, in many ways, it still is, is today in many parts of the world. Uh, and it is, so this was, this was not just a snack he passed around. This was a meal. Uh, and, you know, the fish, the, the, the fish were with that thrown in. So it, it was not simply, uh, you know, let's, let's give him something to hold him. Let's, let's, uh, give a meal. And I guess the, 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 the what, what struck me and again is, is not only, not only did, did the, the Israelites in the desert get the manna they needed enough for each day. Here again, the, there is abundance. Um, there was, there was no need for the guy in the back to worry. Maybe he did, maybe he did. You know, it's going to come up. Um, and there was no, there, there seemed to be, to go back to, to Bill's question earlier, there didn't seem to be a mad scramble as soon as the food started coming out. Um, it, it, there, but there was enough for everyone. And, you know, you think about these last few weeks with, with people taking scads of toilet paper and you know, there were, there were, go, go do your Google searches there. There, there are, there's been psychological, I won't say treatises, but psychological analysis of why people rush toward toilet paper over, over anything else it seemed in this case, but there've been other instances elsewhere of hoarding. Let's, let's go out, you know, whenever there's a hurricane, let's go out and, you know, make sure we got, we got not, not just enough, gasoline to fill the tank, but maybe to, to, to fill five tanks over. Well, you know, well beyond the point of evacuation, enough to get you not just to Dallas, but, you know, gas that will get you to Omaha, which you don't need to buy. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, you need, I, I, I'm very sympathetic, you need enough to get out. Um, and uh, so, but, and which is very much a human nature. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be, don't mean to sound so judgmental. It seems the first thing we want to do is grab what we can before it runs out. And what, what we see here is a case where it never, it didn't run out. It didn't run out and, and people were sated. And I think that's part of this. In, in, in the Lord, 
you're, there is abundance. There is not rationing. I mean, it's not a puritanical thing where, you know, you got to take just one sip. I, go to Psalm 23. That was great. The, the cup runneth over. It's not just, you know, up to the brim or halfway. The cup runneth over. That's, that's the image of glory we should have is, is more than enough. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our hard break. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. We will be right back. You are listening to the Man Up podcast, Spiritual Oasis for Men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. And welcome, everybody. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys. And this is podcast number 150. So pop that non-alcohol champagne. Yeah. Three years that we've been doing this. And we are in the miraculous feeding, the transforming power of Jesus from Baptist Way Press. And, you know, the author said something <clears throat> or put something in the text that I thought was interesting. And he, and he put in there, he or she, uh, compassion might be described as the application of gentleness, patience, caring, and kindness to any person's situation. And every time Jesus encountered human need, compassion overpowered the pull of his own personal well-being, and he reflected that attribute throughout his entire earthly ministry. And as I was getting ready for this podcast, I was thinking about that. What's the big difference between Jesus and some just regular guys such as myself? And that is easy. I may have compassion, but it's occasionally and it's typically on a personal level as opposed with Jesus had it on this macro level. And, and this is a miracle that everybody that got to participate in. I'd like to go ahead and throw that out for the fellas. That, that's really the church's role now to, to provide that miracle. Uh, we're seeing that maybe on the, on the, uh, on the upside of this, uh, the contributions and support that is that is coming in, probably very small uh, from from church members who who um, who can who can afford it or can spare it or certain maybe coming out of out of uh, out of their own stimulus whatever whatever. But we do know that the the, the church has 
done from our church has done phenomenally well, and, and also the church as a whole in terms of meeting, you know, meeting the needs of the community uh, for people who are truly uh, in in economic trouble right now. So we, we're seeing we're seeing, you know, it's not it's not a miracle by definition of something coming from uh, God and something that can't be explained. But we're seeing that, that miracle of, of individual compassion, Bill, uh, building to something much bigger than really the sum of its parts, which is kind of what we're, we're seeing literally happen in this, in this miracle, uh, in, in the loaves and fishes. But it's, it's very much the, the role now of the church uh, to, to, enter, to take that compassion, energize it, and turn it into something uh, truly tangible uh, that provides not just you know spiritual comfort or emotional comfort, but in this case, physical comfort and physical needs too. Well, let's. Let, I, th- I think that may be a good, good, good jump-off point. So, one thing about this is is the disciples are all like, "Send these people away. We we gave them what they asked for. They asked for the kingdom of heaven, and we gave them the kingdom of heaven." Jesus, you you laid it out. Um, you told them all about everything. You know, there are some theories say he pretty much repreached the Sermon on the Mount here. You know, people heard exactly what they wanted to hear. He may have done a healing or two while he's there, you know, to kind of get their attention. And Jesus took the time to deal with their spiritual needs. And that's one of those things that I'm, I'm intrigued by, especially as we start to come out of this. So we're in... This is my sixth week of working from home. So I've now been working from home for six weeks. We've done the podcast six weeks virtually. Is that a correct statement, guys? If I remember right? I think so. We've been doing it. Yeah, this is like the sixth week we've done this, done it this way. And so as we we start to, quote, unquote, reopen the country, for whatever that means, how are we going to meet? what's going to be some serious spiritual needs that are going to be out there at the end of this. Um, a lot of families were stressed beyond stressed. Um, there are a lot of people who are going to end up not only with work stress and everything else, but then also meet the physical needs, you know, as of last week, 22.5 plus whatever was unemployed before it all started of unemployed people, you know, th- this is going to be a life altering event for lack of a better term for a lot of people to kind of bring it, you know, to, to the man thing. So how are we going to meet people's spiritual and physical needs moving forward? And maybe that's a discussion we need to have. And I think that's a discussion for the larger church as a whole oh. to have at the same time. Go ahead. For, for that exact segue there, uh, one of the, the breakout boxes there in our uh, lesson is nourishing others. And, you know, it's a, a small little box, but it, it's powerful enough. And, uh, you know, people hunger in many ways. You know, when we're not talking about the literal starving or hungry, we need to send them home for dinner. Um, you know, how can believers nourish those who... Uh, and then they have some questions are starved for love. 
believe they lack human value, are spiritually empty, struggle with chronic health issues, are emotionally depleted, and uh, the last one there is uh, are enslaved by anger or bitterness. You know a lot of guys that, you know, we struggle from that, you know, just anger, whatever, you know, something bad happened in your childhood. Uh, I, I heard of a guy recently, and I, I pinpointed it out. There, it, it was things he said to someone else. It was a third-party relation, and he, he stated things. And I said, oh, well, he was picked on as a little kid, and he holds this one thing super tight to his personality. And when she talked to him next, he, he almost said that exact thing. Um, you know, but it also made me think of, uh, you know, the, the, the new program with Man Up that Bill is, uh, and Steve have kind of spearheaded up a little bit with Men Matter, you know, and, you know, we, we can become emotionally, physically drained that we need to be fed one way or another. And that is reaching out to people and staying in touch and, you know, making sure that we're, we're, we're there for each other, I guess, you know, and especially in this time now, um, you know, we recently had uh, my friend passed away and we're staying in contact with his wife, you know, because, uh, just all the situation, you know, but it, it reminds me daily now that there are people that are needing that extra touch, the extra feeling, the extra love um, to be fed. And especially when we get into our seniors and the already homebound, you know, this is the new norm stuff for us. Well, it's those people that this is their normal and has been for years. And we're not just talking about the introverts, you know, that like to stay home, you know. Um, all right. That was my piece. Yeah, that's so, a very good point because uh, we were talking with Steve and I, we were talking about uh, death by despair and suicide by neglect. And this pandemic, even people that have routines <clears throat> and sometimes don't like them. And we're going through despair and suicide might neglect before this. And I, I can tell you this, uh, the men that I've talked to out there, this hasn't helped. This, this kind of thing hasn't helped. And we're still a few weeks away from getting to the new normal, whatever yeah. that is going to be. And so there is going to be, uh, opportunity and a necessity for leadership, spiritual leadership uh, by men in the community. I think few weeks is optimistic at this point. And, 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 and you're right. I think this is one of those, I think this is going to be one of those, we're, we're going to be called and this is going to be an opportunity for Christians in the church to really reach out because like you said, Bill, you know, there's, there is any man who was having a hard time before, this isn't helping. And there are going to be slews of men, and I'm going to throw a generation of the bus that we talk about and joke with 
and it's the millennials who literally they saw the 0809 financial crisis that was a v <laughs> and and that means it went down and it went right back up this has the potential from an economic standpoint to more resemble a a trough that drops and stays low for a long time and that group has never had to deal with long-term pieces. I, I talked to some people in that generation and I talked to several all the time and they're like, Oh, a couple of weeks, the economy opened up. It'll all be just fine. And you know, and I'm going to go get my avocado toast at the little restaurant down the road where I used to get it. And then, you know, I'll go to, I'll go to the coffee shop and get my little coffee thing. And I'm just kind of going, if it's not Starbucks, your coffee shop may be there. If it's not a big chain, your avocado toast may not be there. But it, it's one of those, that group in particular, I think, is really, and, and they are resilient. They, they're, there are a lot of misnomers about them or falsehoods about them as a group that I think are truly falsehoods. But I think this is true, that they have not really seen hard times. Mike and I are the right age. We remember probably, and I think, Bill, you're the right age. Well, I know you are because you talked about you came to Houston during the downturn in the economy, the early eighties oil bust. <laughs> yeah. Where there, you know, forty percent of the day forty percent of the homes in the neighborhood in South Houston off forty off five forty five in Sagemont were in foreclosure during that time frame. And and I think this this is a point where Jesus calls us to meet those physical needs first before we start worrying about the spiritual needs. Because it's, oh, hard to talk to, it's hard to talk to a guy about Jesus if he's trying to figure out how he's going to keep a roof over his family's head. Bill, I, I know you're chomping at the bit on that one, Bill. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <clears throat> because I grew up in Michigan, and we were hit by the uh, auto, the, the downturn of the auto industry uh, when I was in high school. And then I went in the Navy and I came back and it was still bad. And when I came to Texas, the bad economy in Texas was still better than the bad economy in Michigan. <clears throat> but I've talked with uh, my son, who's a millennial, about this uh, at length. And he brought up something, uh, a, a really good point. And he said... We're not used to being builders, millennials. He goes, you, you look at you guys, talking about my generation, we all wanted to have our own company or be an entrepreneur or be a commission salesman and, and you know, fend for ourselves. We like that. And whereas he, what he pointed out is, his generation, they're looking for something that's stable. And if it proves not to be stable, they're looking for the next one that is. So instead of building uh, a raft of their own to get on with their life down the river, they're looking for the next wave to surf on. That's kind of the difference in it. They don't really feel that they have the uh, ability 
to start something out on their own. They haven't been taught like that. So it's a totally different mindset for them. So I, I agree with you, Robert. I think it's going to be difficult for them. Well, it'll be difficult on everybody. You know, um, you know, of course, we, we heard, you know, yesterday the oil prices and all, you know, price per barrel and all that. Just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff, right? Uh, unprecedented and, and whatnot. And, and I just heard one, uh, one reporter or whatever, well, it may take a year for this to recover. And I thought, you know, on every sector, on every element, it's going to take a lot for, or a long time for a lot of people to recover for this. You know, they, they think, oh, okay, well, you know, the bar's open, the hairstylists, everybody goes back to work. But people have been out of work. Robert, what'd you say, six weeks for you? Not out of work, but working at home? I'm very so, blessed that I have a paycheck, but, but yeah. Right, well, six and weeks. same thing for me, but, uh, you know, that you, uh, you've been at home for six weeks, so... Uh, that's longer than I have been, but take that as you're unemployed, you six weeks. That six weeks of unemployment will be felt for much longer than when, uh, you know, let's just say you work at a restaurant. Now it's back open. You're not going to recover in a month. Oh, you got, I'm you got, you got, if you borrow, you're going to have money to pay off. You got, if, if you were lucky enough to have your, have the credit to do it, you're still, you're still six weeks of expenses behind your Lost. cash flow, and so well, you know, you're looking at you're looking at oh you know you're looking at being you know a lot of people are already into in, are over leveraged anyway. Um, a lot of people don't have a lot of people don't have the savings. Even even people our age, there are people out there who don't have the savings to use cushion in this situation. Um, it's, 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 I was going to say, Steve. You were talking about the savings. Most financial advisors will tell you three to six months. Um, we're halfway through three months, <laughs> you know, right now. So even if you had the savings, you're sitting there looking at it going, how much longer is this going to go? Right. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think the stimulus checks were quite enough to cover very much. Uh, no. $1,200 with many people. and uh, Oh, yeah, but we have some great arts. Right. <laughs> you know, they, they're definitely supplying the arts when we, anyway, we won't get uh, political there. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll steer away from that, you know, because Lord knows uh, there was never any political views back in Jesus's day, you know. <laughs> right, uh, right, right. I'm sure the disciples and, and Jesus sat around a fire cooking maybe some fish and bread, uh, talking about what the heck the Romans were doing and uh, you know, in this time frame, you know, crucifixions were uh, a, a normal thing. So, uh, you know, uh, can't you imagine they they sat around, you know, and, and talked political. And now I guess, you know, we try to make sure that Uncle Bob and, you know, Cousin Fred don't get into a, an argument and so it's, it's pushed from the social norm of, of discussing uh, the political. Um, but a lot of that goes for the religious as well, that it, it, they don't want you to, oh, don't go there. You know, um, I think that's partly what's wrong with our country is some of these things, we don't debate it and talk about it, kind of like we do here, but uh, we're, we're not normal, you know, in more sense of the word than, you know, 
but uh, I, I just think of the other places that I go, you know, it's, it's not normal to talk about religion or politics. And I just see Jesus and his, his guys sitting around maybe even later that night. Uh, after all this food is collected and you're sitting and looking at 12 baskets and going, all right, what do we do with this now? Of course, the obvious answer is, yeah, just pass it out tomorrow. But, you know, anyway, that's my, you know, I, I, I kind of look at this lesson and apply it to the situation that I'm in. And I was thinking about you, Steve Titch, uh, today. And uh, it's kind of like this pandemic has caused an accident in the economy and our lives. And although you have healed rather well on the outside, I'm sure that there are days when you still feel that accident uh, from you know ver- various things. And I think that's up to us as individuals to just pay attention as we come out of this and see the people that are hurting in certain ways that uh, might not be visible to everybody. But if you pay attention, you'll be able to tell. And uh, and with that, uh, we're coming down to the end of our time. I just want to get some uh, final takeaways uh, from the panel here and uh, start out with Mr. Steve Titch. Well, I want to go back to what Kyle was saying earlier about uh, what our needs are and as men, where we stand. I don't, I don't don't think this is necessarily a a complete cultural thing. You run into it at the, in the church as well. And there is this uh, kind of belief that if you are, if you're a man and you got, Things aren't going your way. You just got to suck it up and not complain. Now, there's a difference. We talk about this. This is not deferring gratification. It's not saying I'm going to put off uh, going on vacation for another six months because I've got a big project to finish. This is, this is basically being in pain, needing something, and saying to yourself, I'm not going to say anything about it. And then you're going to end up you're going to end up, I'm afraid to say, possibly dying from despair because that's going to lead to you. So I'm going to simply say this. If you are hungry, you might be able to go a day without eating, a day or two without eating. And it won't be pleasant, but you don't say to yourself, I'm going to suck it up and I'm not going to eat anything for the next two months and not say anything to anybody. You'll die. So that is not some kind of man stance that I'm going to suck it up and I'm not going to say anything though I'm coming apart at the scene. That, that, is why, that is why men get depressed. That is why men often commit suicide because they sit around and they think, I'm not allowed to say anything about this. I'm supposed to be the guy in charge so if you're in pain, stop sucking it up and go talk to someone. Talk to your friend. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a counselor either, you know. And, and I know some these days one of the most horrible things is that men don't have friends. Again, that's another, another way we guys are not normal because we've got the, the, the five of us here. 
and, and, and we're networked in. But there are, there are men without churches, men who are very much alone, and so we should pray for them, as well as, as again, as Bill saying, be, be prepared to reach out. Uh, because in many ways they're being they've been brought up or they they believe that they're not supposed to they're not supposed to be needy and there's a different there's a difference between being needy and truly needing something and we all need food we all need food we all need drink we all need spiritual sustenance um, and that's the big takeaway from this lesson I think that it's it's there. From God, God provides, and in my experience, I found that the case. You will, you know, go hungry some days, but you will not, you will not be abandoned. Um, and and that is that is a matter of faith. That is that is simple testimony that that has held that has held true for me um, out of my experience. That there is that there is that that the Lord God can be leaned on, and the Lord God will provide. Uh, and they and sometimes he provides it through other people, and and most of the time they say he provides through other people. Sometimes the church, sometimes other people who may may not be believers. Nonetheless, uh, the important thing as men is to to be able to tell know the difference between deferring gratification, being a model, leading, and knowing when we ourselves need that refreshment. We, you know, another Excellent. lesson for another time is Elijah, of course, right. and Moses, but. We've seen those examples, but there we are, yes. Kyle Trahan, your takeaways from this lesson. You know, so, uh, you know, Steve was the obvious choice on the the healing thing because his was a little more severe than mine, I believe. Uh, With uh, how many surgeries was that, Steve? Uh, Um, uh, Three, I think. Um, Two (laughs) at one one time and then... The, the follow up on the on the, but, on the face thing, but uh, gotcha. so two, okay. three, 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 three fractures. Gotcha. You know, um, but you know when you're when you are healing, and and for a guy, you know, uh, mine was an elbow as well, similar to Steve's. Um, you know, there there's a recovery thing. There's a you know as we age to begin with, you start to have diminished you know, physical skill, you know, or whatever. And then you throw in an injury like that. And, you know, you're, you're not able to, like, I can do some push-ups, but not many, not nearly as much as like I used to be able to. Uh, just getting down to the floor because it was a, an elbow and tricep injury, you know, uh, that it, it, you know, you, you have to think about things. Um, so, you know, that in itself, uh, weighs on you. Right. And, and, you know, you can get depressed just from that of, I'm not the same guy I was, even if you can get back there at a hundred percent or pretty darn close at that time in your life is when it weighs on you. So, you know, I, I've been keeping, you know, a, a, a fair journal and, and diary or whatever of recovery you know, and, uh, you know, it was uh, a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago, even before the the pandemic thingy really took hold, uh, you know, I was feeling the depression thing. You know, I, I wasn't working the same way that I normally do and, and everything else, just 
something was off. Well, it was the injury. I, I, I wasn't in my normal workout regimen. I, I had a, a goal, um, which stopped with that very first day of the injury uh, of riding the bike for a lot of miles and, and you know, getting that enjoyment. And, and all that was taken away. I still haven't been on the bike you know, because of the way you, you ride on a bicycle like that, using that muscle. And so I was getting depressed myself. So I, I totally so get it. Then, you know, I, I'm a very social person. So I'm normally in, in front of crowds of 15 to 50, you know, and, and in the front, I'm, I'm the person they're looking at talking and, and I'm not able to do any of that. And so really, again, for the, the, the men matter concept that it is so easy. And as Steve said a minute ago, we don't usually have great friends that we can talk to. And even when we do have a group like you guys, sometimes we're embarrassed or shy or we're, we're men and you hold it in and you stuff it back. I don't need to admit that. And then it gets worse. And then we get to that real depression part. And then you start pushing people away. And that's where the men matter uh, really comes in because we, we need to make sure, uh, Bill, I believe you said it, was that you have to, when this is over, uh, keep your eyes open and make sure that we're, we're checking in. With, with with men excellent michael cropper your takeaways from uh today's lesson yeah bill I'm, I'm going back to lesson just for a moment um jesus refers to himself again and i mentioned that after he fed the people and the the five thousand people in earlier passages he, re he referred to himself as a bread of life this the 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 passage that we read today regarding 5,000, one of my favorite, favorite childhood memories. I can remember hearing that when I was three, four, five years old in church and remembering it. It was so special because you wondered how in the world can uh, someone feed 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread or a few pieces of bread. I don't think they're a loaf as we would know today. Uh, so you have the physical bread, the physical man, and there are two uses of it. And one is the sustenance to our bodies. The second is the holy bread, which is, uh, if you remember the Old Testament, um, Moses had provided some specifics on the bread that was to be placed before God on a, a show table in the tabernacle in the holies. And that had to be there 24-7. It was an offering to God. Now, the spiritual manna that Jesus talked about in the New Testament, and, and which feeds our spiritual man, I think Steve referred to that, and that simply says, uh, if you believe in me, I am the resurrection and life. If, if you eat my bread or partake of me, you will have eternal life. And the place he mentions that, of course, is in his Last Supper, where he says, I'm the bread of life. Pardon me, in John 6, he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then in the Passover, his final statement there is that uh, he says, take, eat when he breaks the bread, as he's doing for these 5,000 people. He says, this is my bread. Eat it. It's my body. 
And then, uh, so what am I, what am I getting at? Um, I let's see. I've got some notes here, and folks, I'm sorry, I'm going by those notes. Um, I the guys have been talking a lot about the practical side of living and the practical side of life, and what we're facing, I guess, with the pandemic, with the COVID virus. How many people are not working? Many people didn't do not have savings to this moment. They don't know where they're going to be, where they're going to get their food, where their bread. In this particular case, like the five thousand. Uh, I don't have a lot to add to that. Uh, I, I'm just sitting and waiting and watching. I will tell you this. Uh, before I went to law school, became an attorney, I was in construction. And I, and I got laid off many times. And many times I used up all my savings and then wondered where our, our money was going to come from to, to pay my bills and even to eat. But the Lord came through at the last moment, and the, la the Lord came through in sufficient time. And of course, like Steve said, mentioned, you know, you just don't start work tomorrow and everything's peachy creamy again. You have to pay off your debt. You have to catch up, and it takes months, possibly years. If you've gone into debt because you're not working, it takes possibly years to catch up and pay off credit cards or whatever credit you've acquired. And I can tell you that from from fact, from happening to me. It takes so long to, to pay off the debts you accumulate. But anyway, the best thing I can say to you is, as folks, trust in the Lord, read the Bible, and of course, um, ask him for direction. That's what I did, and I know it took me through it. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Professor, you're taking yeah, I'm gonna, today's I'm gonna, lesson. I'm going to take us to Luke's version of this story. And in Luke's version of the story, a little different spin on what happens. And he says, And the day began to decline, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find lodging and get something to eat, for here we are in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And, and I think that's something that's where the men matters comes in at this point. We are in a time that's different that has the potential to become a very desolate place for a lot of men. And we have something that we can give them. We have something that they can use and we have something that they can take. And so our, my challenge to our audience and our men out there is like Kyle said, when this is all over with check on all your buds and see how everybody's doing because there's going to be a lot of people in a desolate place when this is all over with. Excellent. And thanks so much, guys. And I just, the only thing I wanted to add was this. We hope that this podcast has fed you, fed you in a way that you probably don't get fed on a regular basis, certainly um, in today's climate and in today's crisis. So, Make sure that you find us. We are on iHeartRadio. Uh, all of our podcasts are on SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on that as well. We have a Facebook page at Man-Up where you can go ahead and post a question. And our website is man-upspiritualoasis.com. I want to invite each and every one of you to certainly view uh, televangelists and pastors on TV, and when this crisis is over, 
go find a local Bible-based church and also get in a adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school class and uh, find one that's man only. And if there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast. <laughs>